how did what, how did you get introduced to CrossFit and how did that influence your my my jujitsu coach uh, <clears throat> told me about his trainer and then he was saying you know and who is that your jujitsu coach uh, Claudio Franza yeah so he was my coach and he was saying you know if I wanted to compete at the world level I'd already I'd, I'd done well I took third in the world as a blue belt you know I flew down to Brazil and took third in the world which is a pretty crazy story there but um, so I'd taken and so he said to get to the next level <clears throat> you know I was, that I was gonna have to become more athletic you know I said you're gonna have to do some more athletic training and what does that mean more athletic really did he mean hey, you got to get more wind no, no, no. I was always in good shape. Uh, but like Greg said, when he did the first, like we are over at Spa Fitness when Greg worked at Spa Fitness and he did kind of first assessment of me. Uh, he's like, well, you're pretty fit as far as your fitness, but you are incredibly weak. Hey, so hey, isn't that <laughs> incredibly weak? No, not, you know, no, Greg doesn't pull any punches. So you're incredibly weak. I'm like, what, the fuck? <laughs> what did you just say? Isn't that cool? That, and, and, and Claudio is from the Gracie lineage. Yes. Well, from um, Master Mansour, who's from Helio Gracie. So Master Mansour is Helio Gracie's student, who is Claudio's. Claudio's his student. I'm Claudio's student. So that's kind of our. The heritage I come from, and I assume, and I assume Claudio was a was a black belt and an instructor, and from what mm -hmm. I hear, well respect, respected. Very good, yeah, very good, and very good teacher, is, very good fighter. And here he is telling you to supplement your your fighting skills to go to CrossFit, and mm -hmm. I'm making the assumption it would be to build metabolic capacity, but he's saying it's to increase your athleticism. Mm -hmm. Hence the CrossFit yeah. CrossFitters are athletes. It's, yeah. it's so funny how. Uh, that's just overlooked so much. Like people will say in jest, oh, you're a professional exerciser or you exercise for time. And like, no, man, it's, there's like it's, athleticism. Of course involved. it is. Yeah. Of course it is. You're running, you're, I want, you know, you're throwing weights up and catching them. Yeah. Oh, give me a break. How's yeah. your balance? You know, if you can right. do it clean, you have great balance. Coordination. Right. Yeah. Coordination, timing, rhythm, all right. that stuff, you know? Right. It's okay, all, sorry, I interrupted your story. Yeah. So, so he tells you, "Hey, go see Greg." So mm -hmm. Claudio, know, Claudio and Greg know each Claudio, other. Claudio, he's training with Greg at the time. Okay, and is Claudio yeah. competing at the time? Last time, yeah, Claudio did compete. Yeah, last time Claudio competed was in two thousand. He took second uh, Master Worlds two thousand. Okay, and so yeah, and this is in ninety eight when he's when you yeah he makes the introduction <clears throat> between you and Greg mm -hmm. Glassman. Okay, yeah, and then uh, so yeah, Greg gave me that assessment, and I was like, all right. <laughs> oh. Yes, I'm gonna have to prove you wrong. So, you know. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> Greg had that ability, man. He could get, he was, he could get whatever he needed out of me. You know what I mean? He was a perfect coach for me. And I, you know, I was blessed. I had, you know, Greg Glassman as my personal coach. You know, there was no CrossFit class. CrossFit class didn't exist. It was meet Greg at ten at Spa Fitness and train. You know, and it was. <clears throat> you know, what did that fun. look like? Did he warm you up? I mean, get into the details. Yeah, people are, people are dying to know. <laughs> dying. How do you know you yeah. were weak? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he tried. He I, he told me to go over to the pull-up bar and bust out some pull-ups, and I think I did one. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was pretty assessment. And then he watched me try to squat, and he realized I didn't know how to squat. And so he's like, okay. And then, you know, I mean, everything. I thought uh, I had done no weight training. You know, I'd done no extensive weight training at that point. So <clears throat> while, you know, in jiu-jitsu, we do all our jumping jacks and it was a strange uh, exercise format in jiu-jitsu at the time. We do this like intense warm up, and then we do technique. It's intense warm up of jumping jacks and 
running and weird, you know, stuff like that for like a half an hour. And then we do technique and then we'd spar and then it was over. Hmm. It's kind of the, exactly opposite of what you'd want to do, right? Technique, wrestle, condition would be the correct way to go about it. Yeah, but yeah. it just was a, the way we did it. And uh, so it was, yeah, it was, I mean. Three days a week, four days a week, five days a week? I'd do three days a week and then I'd do Greg's spin class Friday morning. So, oh, yeah. Greg, yeah, Greg Glass, spin, taught, yeah, he right. taught a spin class. And he'd get up on that bike and just crush oh, it, huh? Yeah, you know, he'd crush it. And uh, <laughs> it was freaking Tabata spin class, you know? <laughs> it was the toughest spin class you've ever seen. It was just nothing but interval after interval after interval after interval. Man, I thought that spin class was like, I mean, of course, the strength and conditioning program at CrossFit that he was doing at the time was great. But I thought the spin class was like where I had the gas tank from because I was just like... You know, anytime I fight, I said, none of these fuckers are doing this spin class. Like, I'm doing this spin class. I know it. None of these guys are doing that hour-long freaking spin class, man. <laughs> so I was always like, ah, spin class. I'm like, I got them. Did so, you uh, notice yeah. results immediately? So you you go to your next tournament or you're, yeah. you go back to the dojo and you're like, a month later, you're like, oh, shit, something's happening. Yeah, yeah. I got stronger. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I got stronger. <clears throat> Things like that you don't think of, like we call jujitsu, we call posture, but it's midline stabilization, right? It's how, you, how you're gonna lift a weight, but also how you're gonna you know, impact another body, you know, deliver a blow or receive a blow or lift a weight. Mm-hmm. You have to be in that position, you know? Shoulders back, chest forward, tight belly, you know what I mean? So those kind of, the fundamentals of weightlifting um, are really the fundamentals of jujitsu or all athletics for me. You know, I teach jujitsu now and I always talk about weightlifting because it's like, if you can do that, if you can squat, if you can deadlift, if you can clean, then you know how to move your body in the most efficient kind of way, right? To deliver a blow, to bear weight, you know, to to hold somebody, you know? So, um, yeah, I think of like the fundamentals of weightlifting is basically the fundamentals of athletics because all those positions, that balance, all that stuff is running jumping you could do both train at uh, at, at a world-class level for jujitsu and then also do some crossfit yeah 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 i was young and a spin class on friday <laughs> and, and a spin, spin class, class on friday <laughs> the worst spin class in the history of spin class so what too. was what was what'd your week look like were you dojo in the morning crossfit three days a week yeah or? yeah pretty much yeah i would i'd work you know i i monday through friday train in the evening jujitsu in the evening most Saturday mornings, jiu-jitsu, Sunday off. But yeah, I do Monday, like a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then the Friday spin class. Or Where did you work then? What was your day job? Uh, I was working for Claudio as a jiu-jitsu coach. So. so that's all you know? No, no, I know a lot more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have real jobs. I have a bunch of real jobs in my life. You know, yeah. I started, yeah, I mean, I moved, you know, moved out when I was 18 years old, had to pay the rent. Um, so I'd done a lot of construction. Um, I worked on the the Santa Cruz Pier, you know, the wharf yep. for years and years as a uh, marine construction, pile driving and all that kind of stuff out there. The wharf. Yes, huh. the wharf. Some amazing shit has happened on the wharf. I've had some amazing moments on that wharf. There's <laughs> 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 some cowboy stuff has gone on on that wharf for me. <laughs> Tell me, let's start with something G-rated. Um, Greg tells me, I was speaking to him the other day, and he said that there was a um, Garth Taylor uh, day in Santa Cruz. Well, there still is a Garth Taylor day. Right, right. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Let's don't don't go give him my day away, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if you get a day, don't give it away. You right. got to keep that. Thing. Right. What is yeah. the day? What is December twenty second? Okay, three. shortest day of the year. 
but the longest night. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's been some long nights on Garth Taylor Day. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what happened. How'd you get that? Um, uh, I don't know. I guess my boss just told the city council I should have one. I think is really what happened. But there was a couple things that happened. One of them was that a car had gone off the wharf. And um, and how high is the wharf off the water? 33, 35 feet, something like 30. No, wait. wait. I know this. 22 feet. It's, it's high. 22 it's 20 feet. feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 22 feet off the water. Like off a, of high tide line. Okay. So we had uh, we had cut a hole in the middle of the wharf. Right, right, dead center in the middle of the lane. Sounds like a Roadrunner cartoon. Yeah, and, uh, it. and we had we had this hole cut right in the middle of the wharf. We're replacing some pilings. We got the traffic diverted around us, uh, and this couple from England um, was coming down. And then they, you know, they drove around us. They decided to park over across the way, right, right by where we had the hole. So I'm in my, you know, construction outfit, hard hat, and all that gear, boots. Um, and I guess she had mixed the pedals up and she just punched it straight off the edge of the pier. Hmm. Not into the hole though. Not into my hole that I, pr- that I had, had made for cars to go into. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they right. drove around the hole and went right. off the edge. It was really sad. It was not fun to joke about. But um, yeah, so um, I was there. So I got to, I jumped off. Um, I got the, we got the woman out. Did anyone else jump out? Yeah, a bunch of lifeguards came in too. Um, and then what we got the woman out midday. Okay. Yeah. How did yeah. you, how'd you get them? Did you have to break windows or? Yeah. Um, how, so you, know, wait, so, so, hold on before we get to the breaking windows, you jump off with all your, your hard hat on and all your shit on. Yeah. All my gear on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So gotta go. The car's bobbing. I'm trying to get to the car before the, it goes down. Uh-huh. So got the woman out and I swam her over and then the car sunk and the guy was in there. Um, so me and a couple of my lifeguard friends like Ryan Buell and Dave Royal and Mike Brummett and a few other guys, um, it's difficult to get to the bottom because you can't see. So it's, you got to swim through blackness to get to the bottom. But I'd done some, been doing some diving out there. So I was, I knew how to do it. Um, so we went down there and we tried to get him out of the car. <clears throat> the car had landed on its hood and um, all the gaskets, the rubber gaskets that surround your window. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all blown out. They form, form like a spider web. And we can't get him out of the car. Um, we had a, fortunately, I had a hammer from my job site. So I had him send the hammer down, broke the back window out, and we almost got him out there. But at that point, some divers came and we got him out. So, And he was toast. <clears throat> yeah, he passed away. Oh. Yeah. The woman, the woman lived though, so. Wow. Yeah. Was she conscious when you pulled her out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the guy, uh, he... I don't know. He was there. He, he, I mean, I don't know if he almost made it, but there was some, you know, they got him, but I think he was brain dead at that point. So, yeah. So anyways, that, and yeah, I got a day. That's an incredible story. It was wild. It was and you're, wild. And you're the one who actually, you had the lady. Uh, yeah. We swam her over to my buddy, Jamie. Um, and he, he picked her up, took her up the landing. And, and you went back down. Went back down. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever hear from her again? No, no. And this, See, was, and this was when? Oh man, it's been like 90, shit, 96, 97, yeah. You know, people go off the wharf, I think, all the time. I was Googling. It happens way too often, yeah. Yeah, I was Googling around looking for the story mm-hmm. and uh, just, I feel like already this year, there was a picture of a car going off the wharf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my friend's uh, son's 
unfortunately went off the wharf earlier this year. So in a car. Yeah, yeah. Him and his friend. Yeah. <clears throat> Sad. He 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 made it, but yeah. The friend didn't. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Oh, geez. So you saved someone's life. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't get the guy. I felt real bad about that. But then when the divers came and pulled him out, um, they said that we didn't have a chance. He said it was too, you know, they had to push him back in and spin him around and pull him out and stuff like that. So, uh, Going back a second, sorry, this is going to be a big jump back. Mm-hmm. You went to Brazil and won the Worlds as a blue belt? Took third in the world as a blue belt. Third in the world as a blue belt. Yeah. And you said, ooh, that was a, that was a wild trip. It was, yeah, because... Um, T- tell me about the blue well, belt trip. <laughs> I'll tell you what I can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I flew in the same day that I fought. So I flew all the way to Brazil the very same day I fought. Was that like a 45-minute flight? Yeah, just shorty, a little puddle jump, yeah. And I flew on this airline called Vaspa, right? <laughs> and... Um, I think it was like the last smoking flight in the world. That <laughs> was in the smoking section. So I'm in the smoking section. God, the last smoking way flight in the world. Look. You were yeah. way older than you. Yeah. Were. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I, we're flying to Sao Paulo. The right? smoking fucking section. Do you remember that? It was such the a dude in the seat behind you is in the smoking section. Yeah. You're not smoking in your life. Yeah. Like it, never, it makes any kind of fuck. It doesn't make any sense at all. It didn't make sense. In the restaurants, no. like at Denny's. I'm like, how are we in the non-smoking section, mom? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. It was just... <laughs> but anyways, I... So, we're flying to Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo has the largest uh, um, population of, of Japanese people outside of Japan, right? Okay. I, but I have no idea about this. No so I idea. No idea right? And then, so, so I get on this plane and there's all these Japanese people that are Japanese, you know, the Japanese people, Japanese descent, whenever you say it. But they're acting like Brazilians. You know what I mean? So the whole- Like eating meat on a stick and- Just speaking and Portuguese and, and like you know, that. they're very animated and you know, they're having fun. And, and I'm like, where am I? I stepped in the twilight zone. What's going on here? <laughs> and, and then all, all those people, as soon as this light goes on, all these people come back and use the ashtray in my armrest. Oh. They're all just standing on top of me. I mean, literally the front of the plane goes to the back of the plane and smokes. And they're using my little ashtray. I'm just like, this is and here you are. Amazing. Because, you know, I, yeah. I got I got nothing to do tomorrow, right? So yeah. <laughs> I got nothing to do but smoke. fight in a tournament. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was outrageous. I've never been on anything like it. So how long is the flight really? Like fourteen set? hours. Oh man! Oh, yeah. On the map, it looks right below us. Yeah, it's a little further than that. <laughs> so four, fourteen hours on a flight, smoke uh-huh. two to four packs of cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> no filter. Yeah, landed in Brazil in the middle of summer. It's January. Okay. The hottest place I've ever. What man? It was just brutally hot. Are you? Do you have a companion? No, by myself. Solo? How's yeah. your Portuguese? Terrible. Okay. Still terrible. Remains terrible to this day. <laughs> you take a cab to your hotel? No, I get picked up by this guy named Marcus Venetius. Never met him. First thing he says to me, he says, man, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> I, said, I said, what? He's a native? He's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you come now, you fight today. I'm like, what? I fight today? What do you huh. mean? I thought I was supposed to be here for a week. He's like, no, you fight today, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Got off the plane, uh, pretty much drove to a place to drop my stuff off and get my gi out and uh, eat a bowl of this stuff called acai, right? Mm-hmm. 
which I'd never heard of before. And when the lady's making it for me, it's so hot. She's making me this thing and it's steaming, you know? Like, dude, I do not want a bowl of hot stuff right now. Right. This is purple bowl of hot food. I do not want anything to do with it. And then, you know, come to find out it's like ice cream. Just yeah. plus bizarre thing. It's delicious. Yeah. I had no idea. So now I love it. But at the time, I was blown away. And then, so then went straight over there and fought in the, fought in the tournament. And, to, and where were your parents? Where's your, where's your support team? Where's your, like, how, why mm-hmm. do you go to Brazil by yourself to fight in a tournament? That's how you roll? That's how, that's how I did it. That's how I did every 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 time I went to Brazil to fight in the tournament, I did it by myself. That wasn't lonely? So that's a little lonely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you ask CrossFit Games athlete at the games, who's here? And it's like my, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister. And then they throw in, they've never missed anything since my first soccer game when I was in the second grade. Yeah. I didn't have that one. No. No. Yeah, but I mean, man, I bet you make friends everywhere you go. Sure. But, but you to know, go to Brazil go... to fight dudes and yeah. just go solo, yeah. not even not even a lover to meet you back at the hotel? No. No. Just another uh, a guy. Brazilian guy telling you what the fuck you doing here, you know? <laughs> just that. That's that's the love I got. It's and then you go to the way. academies, you know, and like you're the American, you're the gringo. These guys are just trying to tear your arm off, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty uh it was it was tough. It was a good experience. So I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm glad I I'm glad I did it that way. Were you the only American fighting? No, there was a couple other guys. Um there was a the guy I lost to in the semifinals that year. This guy Sean Alvarez was uh, I think he's from New Jersey. He was a good fighter, um, but he was linked up with like the uh, Abu Dhabi Sheik, you know. So he had he was on Sheik money, you know. He was rolling on Sheik money, so I I wasn't. That's a good life. <laughs> yeah, he was doing well for himself. Yeah, he was doing the UAE thing. Uh, Matt Bischel, <laughs> Eric Masiel. Uh, as the engineer, Garth Taylor is the guest. Uh, Tyson um, constantly improving the room, producer of the show. So he got stuck in here when the door closed. What do you do after this, Garth, when you leave the podcast? Oh, I do a teach class. Here at HQ? No, I teach class at uh, Westside, and then I come back up to HQ. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Okay, you had to go back there anyway. That's okay. You're back okay. there at 3, right? 3, 3.30, yeah. Are you still doing CrossFit today? Mildly. Yeah, yeah, mildly. And um, what- it's definitely, you know... It's the only way I know how to work out, so I don't know. I don't really know another way. Um, so yeah, I do it. I just do it. You know, my joints are old, so you know I had, you know, whatever six surgeries on my ankles and knees. So I do what I can. Do you do it at your studio? Uh, no, I do Studio Eight Three One. Oh, yeah, with Paige and Paige yeah, and badass. Yeah. So you do do it? Yeah, you still are CrossFitter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I don't, you know, Paige always tries to get into her classes. I look up at the board and go, mm, no. Well, not so <laughs> I'm going to do my own little thing. Days. I, I forget who it was. They mentioned that someone doesn't do CrossFit anymore. And you said, how can you do CrossFit and not do it? Right. Like, how can you start and stop? Right. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, that. How, why would you work out another way? Right. But my thought is this. Three, three gyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, your job already has a lot of built-in uh, movement. Mm-hmm. You're old as fuck. Thank you. Um, <laughs> guys are making me feel too. <laughs> and so I just figured, you know, to to still do it, you know, it's impressive. There's oh, a lot of you. there's a lot of people who would have tapped out who would who I mean there's obviously always the ultimate value in continuing to do it, but mm-hmm. it would be easy to be like, hey, my, my day's full. Yeah, well I mean it, You just need some kids. That's what I need, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That'll uh yeah. 
that'll that'll really that'll really fill the day up for me. That'll really get the last drop of energy out of you. Yeah, good. What advice do you have for people who are running a gym? Specifically, like if you could think of it in terms of a CrossFit gym. Like you run three gyms, you know what it mm-hmm. takes to be successful. You probably also know what it takes to fail. Yeah. Um, community. Surrounding yourself with people that you enjoy being with. So you're sticking with that message. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Uh, what are some ways to do that? Like to have the Saturday barbecue, are you saying? Or to know everyone's name? Or to hug everyone as they come I mean, to the A door? little bit of all that, you know, knowing people's name, obviously giving some, giving everybody some feedback so that they know that you're, that you give a shit that they're there. Um, but when I say like community, I mean, but also the community with the, the people are working within themselves, you know, that you set it up so that there's no clicks. There's no, mm. there's nothing going on in your gym that creates divisiveness among the members of the gym. So if I see that going on, I'll put that to an end right away. Or if, you know, there's some guys that are going for jujitsu, for instance, these guys that are higher belts will be off. They'll show up late for class. They'll go drill by themselves. They won't participate in the class. And I, I pull them away. Nope. Go grab the white belt. Show them how to do this. Because if they, that's the, one of the most important parts is spreading it, you know, is, is that the, it comes from the top down. So those people, those my higher level students have to be, humble enough to go teach the white belt how to do his first basic movement and participate in that because that white belt at some point is going to be their best training partner they just don't know it yet you know what i mean yeah. so we see know. that it's funny you say that we see that ebb and flow here at the um gym downstairs yeah and and as you get closer to the games and the mm-hmm. open approaches you sort of see the better athletes <clears throat> matt and some of the other guys will start doing their own workouts and they'll start leaving the group a little bit more because they really want to tune up the machine sure before before fight day right yeah before the open well, before the you know if somebody's in a, a training camp or training right. for a tournament okay right but if it's just saturday and you're just you're not participating with the rest of the group and you're holding yourself apart then that's not acceptable for me but you're absolutely right and we talked about this with greg when he was in here that if you're gonna have athletes who come into your gym who aren't as advanced who are I mean, there's that barrier to entry that's very mm-hmm. intimidating for people. And if you have the athletes who have done it and established and these people look up to say, hey, come with me mm-hmm. and this is how it's done. Yeah, like a mentor, you know, somebody who's already them really well. Yeah, who's already there and they're like, this, this is the path I took. Let me show you how to do it and show you why this movement is of value, you know. So, you know. And you also keep- that reflects upon the owner too. Oh. Don't sell yourself short there. Thanks, buddy. Not just the athletes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's top down, right? I, I got to set Absolutely. that I gotta set that example from there. And, and do, do you know there. Tommy Marquez? Tommy. Yeah. Trains with me. He does? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Tommy's stud. He's uh, And he's taking kickboxing from? From Sam. Yeah. yeah kickbox coach, yeah. Okay, cool. Former owner of CrossFit West. Um, in a fight, who would win, Rory or Tommy? Oh, Rory hasn't been training a lot. I'm putting Tommy on it. You're putting Tommy on that. Tommy's yep. whooping that ass. Yeah, yep. sorry, Rory. <laughs> I, feel like, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like Rory thought the same thing. <laughs> no way. Rory said if yep. it was a short fight, he'd take. Short fight, he takes him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, what's his... Uh, I, I want to say he gave himself a two-minute threshold. Is it, he's got a two-minute threshold? Yeah, maybe it was one minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very much. Yeah. Now um, I got to say Tommy, Tommy whoops that ass. Yeah. Um, you teach uh, uh, at your gym. You teach jujitsu, um, kickboxing, and, bo- uh, and and boxing. And boxing is yeah. And, and 
so I was going to take my son there and have him start the jujitsu for yeah. a second time. What about boxing? Uh, for kids? Yeah. Yeah, we do have a boxing program for kids on the east side. Um, and we have a really good good uh, coach for it. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, I've always endorsed uh, jujitsu for kids because uh, the first thing in jujitsu we learn is like how to control, how to control somebody as opposed to damage them. Um, so, you know, if I'm a striker, my primary way of controlling you is to hurt you. I mean, outside of keeping space, you know, and keeping right. distance, but I gotta, I gotta put something on you. So, um, in jujitsu, especially for kids, I like them to have the option of, you know, controlling and holding somebody and calming somebody down, calling for help, um, you know, without having to hurt somebody, you know, or keeping space and running away, or you know, the stuff that we and we work on a lot of that. Do you have to show extra restraint when you're in public? No. You don't? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Restraint. I don't know. <laughs> meaning, meaning um, he's, he's a sharper knife than I am. You know what I mean? Like my knife can just be out and about and, and, and his knife can't be out and about. Like, like he can't, like he can't even get in small altercations with people cause it can't escalate to him actually putting his hands on mm. someone. Like, you know what I mean? Like if someone, like you're driving down the street and someone says, fuck you, do you? Like I might say, fuck you back. Yeah. <laughs> like I would think like maybe you just don't do that. You're like, ah, it's just, it just can't be good. Yeah. I mean, can't be good for yeah. Him. I'm doing jujitsu all day. I don't care about that guy driving down the street. Yeah. Why, why do I care about that asshole? So you do have way more restraint. Than the normal person, I don't. I, I I don't. I don't know how to measure that. Okay, <laughs> but, but yeah. I well, mean, you're out. You're... I mean, I'm not. Uh, I don't practice being a dick. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I, right, right, I, I work right. from kindness. You know. I mean, like, <laughs> go from there. I mean, I I never sense any posturing from you. But yeah. I mean, I don't know you that well. I've talked to you. I've known you for five years. I've talked yeah. to you more today than I have in the previous five years combined. But still, I never. I never have heard a story of you posturing. I don't know of any. Like you don't. You're not. And I, I'm assuming that comes from the fact that it would just be unhealthy. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I don't I haven't needed to. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't know. You do a lot of martial arts. You're pretty confident in yourself. You don't need to. There's no reason to put your chest out. Right. You're good. You know. Right. You're right. good. You're walking around. You're good. Right. I'm safe. I'm cool. Right. I don't. I'm not threatened. Yeah, so I think that helps me not be in that kind of a space i would say in most cases it's not the guy sitting around talking about it it's the guy quiet in the corner is not saying anything that's yeah. when you got to worry about yeah you always got to worry about that <laughs> the guy the guy with the cauliflower in the corner yeah, yeah. watch him Darth, there's there's a story and i don't know if i'm going to do it justice where you were sitting outside somewhere i think it was you bj penn greg oh, i forget who the other guy is and someone pulled up in a car or something or a motorcycle and said something to you, just, you know, some kid, he's, Greg said he was 150 pounds soaking wet with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and he yells at you guys, what the fuck are you guys looking at? Boy, I don't remember that. And, and uh, God, I and, hope this is real. And uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't remember if it was BJ or you or one of the guys, and Greg's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And one of you guys is like, oh, n nobody, nothing. <laughs> but it was just like, he said it was just so bizarre. Like the kid just got a pass on life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he could have been killed and instead everyone's like, oh, nothing. we're not staring at yeah. nothing. I was walking downtown one time with uh, with both the Penn brothers. We're not Well, not all three of them, but JD and BJ. Bobby Southworth, who was active fighter at the time. Uh, Cra no, Crazy Bob wasn't there. Tony D'Souza, I think, was there maybe. 
uh, like five prominent MMA fighters, and these guys, two guys, walk by us and start saying something like, "I don't know, they're trying to pick a fight." I'm just looking like, really? <laughs> <laughs> why? That is, yeah. Why? And, you know, a couple of those guys were pretty game for that sort of thing. I was just like, pick any other group of dudes. Anybody. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the lightweight here, man. These guys are mean. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like it would just be a stroke of bad luck to do that. Yeah. Probably deserved it though. Oh, they they were being, yeah, they were were not behaving themselves very well, those guys, but, you know, whatever. I'd love to have you come back for an hour and just hear fighting stories. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you got into CrossFit after... Um, sorry, martial arts. Yes. So I'm curious, what would be like, if you could take like a games athlete, so like say like mm-hmm. Matt Frazier or like Brooke Wells on the women's side. Okay. I mean, do you think that that's an advantageous place to start? Of course. Um, yeah. Could you make Brooke Wells a great fighter? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you know who that is? Brooke that trains downstairs. No. No? No, no. Different Brooke. Oh, I don't know. You know who Brooke Wells is? Can you pull up a picture of her? One second. But I mean, if she's doing Great CrossFit, question, she's doing CrossFit at a high level. Then, of course, I Did mean, you they have song? all the attributes needed. The and if they're doing if they're doing the games and they have an incredible amount of mental toughness already, if they're doing that CrossFit at a high level, they're going to be mentally tough as hell. So, so I, I guess I guess what I'm getting at. Oh, there she is. There's Brooke. Hi, I, that's one of my favorites right there. Yeah, I think she could fight. You know, there was uh, somewhere I saw her sister like. The first time her sister got on the bench press, her sister did 135. Her sister's a track athlete. Oh, that's a, a crazy photo. That's great. Sorry, we can't give the photographer credit, whoever it is. Hey, so did you see the softball throw at the games one year? I heard about it. I didn't see it. Okay, well, there were a couple athletes out there who, like, their they, their core extremity was not working. Absolute mm-hmm. violation. So, like, if you, there, if you had someone who punched like that, you know? Yeah. Can you fix that? Can you unfuck that? Sure. Even at like 25? Sure. Sure. I mean, it's training. They learned how to do everything else, right? They learned how to do a a press, right? So they're doing court extremity, you know? But, I mean, throwing a ball, if you don't know how to throw a ball, I mean, first off, what have you been doing? <laughs> the hell? I mean, I don't, you know, maybe you don't, wherever you're from, you don't play ball sports, but you should have picked up a rock and thrown it at somebody at some point. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or something. Some, you should have, you should have thrown something. So you can teach a wrist snap. Sure. Yeah. I would, I never had. To, have you ever seen one of those people come into your gym? I mean, I guess, obviously. Yeah. I don't want to say one of, one of my good friends can't really throw very good. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of embarrassing for him. Um, it's a really weird. It's a really weird thing. There's a lot of weird things oh, people will say weird. inappropriate stuff or do bad stuff or like you have friends who just like you know burp inappropriately or whatever. But the the, the awkward throw is really. Oh, it's a tough one. Man. Yeah, <laughs> you're like ooh. Yeah, I gotta walk away. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I had a best friend in college who played water polo with, and he threw just every time, and it was like man. Come Let me on. take you aside and let's figure this out. Because, <laughs> we gotta like, start this out. You and me are good friends. I don't want this associated with me. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, you're going to throw in while I'm with you. And this, that's yeah, gonna be people bad. are going to see us. Yeah. What's the history of the gi? The why, gi? Why are you guys, um, why, why do martial arts guys fight in ropes? I mean, I guess it's Japanese. You know, it's, it's like a traditional Japanese dress. So, um, 
Doesn't it seem totally impractical to you? Yes. Like I'm watching you guys. I did Taekwondo for two yeah. weeks and I'm, I just feel like I'm constantly adjusting it. And yeah. Like, and they are. The, the geese are always coming undone, coming off, having to be retied. The belts are constantly being retied. Uh, there's a rule now in sports jiu-jitsu. You have to tie your belt in a certain amount of time. So if your belt comes off, the referee puts you on the clock. You got 30 seconds to get your belt tied and get ready to go. Because guys like me, you know, certain times when my fitness wasn't right, might abuse that uh, thing a little bit. Yeah. Tie your belt a certain way so that it comes undone more frequently. So you get more rest? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I noticed I was you got to work it. <laughs> I, I was watching one of your matches uh, last night. And at one point, a guy is, uh, who you're on top of and obviously mm -hmm. dominating is trying to basically pull. It looks like he's trying to pull your gi off, like from the bottom, pull it up over your head. Yeah, I'm sure. And then his gi is over his mouth, but you have his hands trapped, so he can't, like, I'm sure that sucks. He can't breathe. Yeah. And I even saw the referee go over there for a minute and, like, lift it up, like, to see his mouth, and then just puts it back down. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't know that match, <laughs> but like, that's pretty funny. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, I guess it wasn't impeding his breath. I guess it was just okay for it to suck, right? So, to sit so, on yeah, there. So. Um, why not innovate there? Why not make, why not? Um, improve on the dress code. Why not? Um, like well, there is. There is. I mean, there is no gi competition. So, <clears throat> um, and there's like a whole, like within jujitsu, there's this gi versus no gi kind of thing. Uh, I'm on both sides of it. I like, you know, I really like no gi competition. I mean, I came from wrestling. So before I did jujitsu, I wrestled. So putting the gi on for me was like, what am I doing? And why is this guy holding me? You know? It was really bizarre. And now he's choking me with a collar. What's the, what's this, what just happened? <laughs> right. I don't understand. What just happened? Isn't that part of the sport, though, like being able to latch on to the Yeah. Game? So being a coach now, um, for me, I like the tradition of the gi. I like the... Um, I like all the technical aspects of the gi because it's really advanced with the kind of lapel play and different stuff that people do and grips and... So I like it. It's fun. It's fun to play with. It's more tools. You know, it's more tools to play with. Um, and as a coach, I like it for beginning students. As I encourage anybody beginning to do some gi, do some work in the gi, because I think it helps people learn. It gives you something to hold on to, right? To take some of the uh, athleticism out of the game, you know? So um, speaking of early beginners. Yeah. I asked you the other day, hey, can you teach my son? You said, yeah, bring him to our kids' class. I said, how old are the kids? You said, they start, we start them at three. I said, no problem. My kids advanced. Uh -huh. I took him there at two and two years old in a few months. Five minutes into the class, he was crying louder than I've ever heard him cry. <laughs> <laughs> and he ran and jumped on my lap. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, Garth knows what he's talking about. You never know. Some kids can do it and some kids, I mean, it's just. Why three? Why three years old? It seems to be the time when they can break away by our experience. Trial and error, really, for us, has just been at what point does it seem like the kids can walk from their parents and walk out on the mat and take orders from another adult? Can you be, are there, are there um, uh, jujitsu prodigies? Like, are there kids that you see them at three and you're like, wow? I mean, yeah, you see, I mean, you see kids that are athletic. I don't know if it's going to translate later in life, you know, and I don't know. Um, I mean, there are some kids coming up now um uh these two twins down in southern california they're really kind of made a name for themselves um they just win everything well i don't know if that's going to translate to them as adults you know um and i don't know if it's going to be it's all, it looks almost like the tennis model or something where these kids are 
so into it so young and they're doing all the junior circuit and by the time they come to adults we don't know if they're gonna be be the great you know the next great thing or if they're just gonna be burnt out and not want to do jujitsu anymore i don't know and it athletically seems like- i don't know if they develop just uh, using using um, money as a success, it seems like the mountaintop in martial arts is like really, really small. Like you always hear like, oh, the chance mm-hmm. of becoming a professional football player are slim to none. Yeah. But it seems like getting rich for the risks of getting in a ring and fighting someone and making a living and putting food up on the table for your family and mixed martial arts is like, I don't is know. like really the bad way to go. I know a lot of MMA fighters. I, I only know one guy that I think is rich. You know, I mean, he's not rich, but uh, Luke Rockhold grew up here. But um, so I know Luke and I mean, he's done well. He's bought a house. You know what I mean? Um, does, does Luke have like 50 girlfriends? I don't know. I don't know if he has any girlfriends. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I think I think Luke does OK for himself. I don't want to speak for him, but I think, right. I think every all right. time I see yeah, that guy I mean, walk into the octagon, I feel like I should be watching him on a porn set. I mean, he is uh, the men amongst men. He's proud of himself. Yeah, he's. Uh, um, can you make that introduction? Can I meet him someday? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good kid. I mean, he's just surfer kid from the east side. You know, found uh, started wrestling in high school, and then I coached him uh, over at Claudio's gym when we were over there. And then um, he decided he wanted to do MMA, so he went over to AKA and man, middleweight champion of the world. You know, amazing. His, and his, now he's a freaking model, you know? What the hell? Apparently <laughs> he went from punched in the face to being a model. I don't know how that goes. He's 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 amazing. He looks yeah. like he can do no wrong. Uh, uh, unfortunately, his fight with Bisbing was just like... I mean, he, he walked in there looking really, really pompous. The same reason why... The same attributes that I think that he gets a lot of tail, he was showing in the ring Yeah, to Bisbing, which maybe is not the same tool bag you should be drawing from in a fight. Yeah, I think... Uh, the confidence is one of Luke's real strengths. It's always been his strength, his belief in himself. And I think in that one instance, it got him in trouble. Um, but like, I remember when he was going to fight Jacare for the Strike Force title. And I was like, you know, he's only, I don't know, 10 fights in or something. And this is fucking Jacare. You know, this is the guy. We're watching this guy. For, I mean, he's just, he's just one of the best grapplers I've ever seen. And Luke's telling me, he's coming to the gym. And he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm going to beat him. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> beat Jacare, you know? And he's like 100% confident and believing in himself that he's going to beat this guy and he does it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that attribute of confidence, of, you know, incredible self-confidence has gotten him so far and it, it might have tripped him up at one time, you know, in that instance, but... I don't, he wouldn't have been in that, he would have been in that space without it. So, yeah, it's one of those intangibles, right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have confidence coming into the ring, you don't have uh, a chance. Oh, I would, yeah. Yeah. September I mean, 16th, he's going to, he's, he's got a fight coming up in two uh, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. He gets two. Yeah. I don't know who he's fighting. I know the guy's tough and he's a good grappler. The guy's real tough. Yeah. And I think he's one of those, like, if, you, if his fist touches your face, you go to sleep, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't looked at the, his opponent at all. So, I just know, you know, excited to see him get back in there and do his thing. Why has he taken so much time off? Do you know? I think, um, I don't think, I think he's, the UFC is a strange business with the new owners. I think that caused a lot of uh, strange fights to get made. Right. You know, um, they're making, you know, kind of show fights as opposed to like. You mean like Bisbing? Um, GSP. GSP. Yeah. You know, so they're making these big money fights. 
They let Luke be um, vocal about that on one of their own shows. That's what's really kind of cool about the UFC. They do a lot of self-reflection just out in the public. Yeah. So it makes you feel like they're real. I mean, like they got Joe Rogan just smashing their shit. Yeah. Just and on still, a podcast. Yeah. Still got his job. Still got there. a job. Yeah. And I respect that. Yeah. I respect the um, self-reflection. Yeah. And I, yeah. So I, I think that maybe they went a little too much that direction and I think they're coming back. So. Um, hopefully they get some more, you know, fights where, I mean, fighters, it's a sport. You can actually work up their rankings and get a title fight. Right. You don't got to talk a bunch of crap and get on, you know, have the most Instagram followers to get your title fight, you know, that you can actually approach it like a sport. Um, I haven't seen anything so grossly mismatched, though, that um, that I thought that they went way out of bounds. Have you? No, no. Like but, they usually um, end up pretty good where I'm like, hmm, okay. Yeah, but if I was sitting at number two and I'd been there for a long time and then, you GSP, know, say GSP yeah. shows back up yeah. and then, you know, now I got to wait another year for my title shot, which, you know, happened to Jacare and then he takes a fight and he gets beat by uh, uh, Bobby, what's, yeah, great kick Whitaker. from New Zealand. Yeah, Whitaker. Is that, is that who it was? <clears throat> yeah, I think it was Bobby Whitaker, yeah. Uh, beats him and... Uh, you know, now he's he lost his shot. He should have got a shot. He didn't get it. You know, or or uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know how that all played out exactly, but you know, it's it, it would be tough if you're in the sport. Yeah, you're getting bypassed for something like that. Yeah, you know, be pretty upset. Yeah, it pushes your whole career six months or a year yeah. down the road, and especially for an older guy like Yoel Romero or somebody like that, he doesn't have the six months or a year. Right. You know, he's got. You know, his shelf life is coming to an end, you know? Man, that division is just full of freaks. Monsters. Yeah. Monsters. 200-pound men, you know what I mean? It's like they're just so many monsters. Is it kill or be killed in the ring? Is that like you go in, you have to kill the guy? I don't know. I don't know what the mindset is for the guys doing MMA. I mean, I mean, I, I don't the, – the guys that I coach for MMA, I don't try to have them have that mindset. I have try to have them – technical problem solving mindset because it's just you know what i see is you know you're solving a series of problems you know to do your job which is to win this fight any way possible knockout finish whatever so <clears throat> i think a a more focused um calm persona is the one that i would like to fight with and the one that i you know my guys that train under me is the one i try to get them to fight with uh i think emotion can be <clears throat> can really undo you you know, either way. Yeah. You own two gyms? Uh, three now. Yeah, three now. We have Kaijin in, on the west side of town. Okay. West side of Santa Cruz. Yep. Um, we just opened another Kaijin up in the, on the east side of Santa Cruz. Okay. And I own one up here in Felton. Uh, oh. That we're quite possibly moving to Scotts Valley in the very near future, sir. Okay. Yeah, so. And the one on the east side is the one that I'll be taking my son to yeah. when he turns three. Mm-hmm. What... Did you learn from being in a CrossFit gym and seeing how Greg Glassman run ran his gyms back in the early day that you brought over to your gyms, if there's anything? Uh, well, I thought the, the, the same thing that we had in the jiu-jitsu gyms was I, I thought was one of the things that made CrossFit so good, which was the community, was that CrossFit wasn't just uh, <clears throat> because you're doing classes, because you're with people and you're everybody's going through the same thing together. Um, it was a lot like a martial arts class. Where you know we're, you're training, you're doing the technique, you're fighting with each other, you're competing against each other, but the guys, the person's your brother, your sister, you know what I mean? They're they're helping you, you're helping them. So that same kind of thing um, uh, that was in martial arts is also in CrossFit, that camaraderie, that community. Um, so yeah, that's and just to continue that extension of just 
surrounding yourself by good people, um, enjoying it, you know, because it's really important to enjoy where you work for me. So if I don't have, if I have bad people in my gym or, you know, I don't care how good the person is or what they're doing, but if you got a bad apple in your gym, <clears throat> you know, it's not Have you booted people from your gym? Not really. <laughs> <I haven't, laughs> What's yeah, that mean? Not like, really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you can encourage people to, that there's a, probably a better place for them or <clears throat> just by a standard of um, behavior, they might find it on their own that this wasn't the space for them. Totally. I think yeah. it's the same in CrossFit gyms. Yeah. If you, you know if you're not part of the, part of yeah. the tribe. And, and yeah, and every gym is different, right? So that it's not that... They it just might not fit, you yeah. know. It's just so, not a fit. Someone doesn't show up for three weeks. Do you give them a call? Hey, where you at? Uh, it depends on the person. Yeah, yeah. It's one of you know if it's one of my athletes that I know should be training and is not training, you know. But um, for the most part, are your bathrooms clean? Very. Yeah, I would say that I have the cleanest martial arts gym in Santa Cruz County, Ooh, without a doubt. And I, I like will, that. I'll I'll go to the mat on that one. Probably cleaner than the bathrooms here. What does that mean? You'll go to the mat. Meaning, if yours is dirtier, you'll just beat their ass anyway. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> What's the ratio of men to women at the gym? Uh, in jujitsu, it's still uh, the women's participation is still not as high as I'd like. Uh, in the kickboxing and boxing classes, it's darn near fifty-fifty. Uh, jujitsu, with the kind of intimacy of it, you know, it takes women a, a bit of time to get used to that. So. Um, and without a lot of women in there, it's kind of, you know, it's hard to get to kind of cross that barrier. If you get enough women, then the, there's right. enough women in the class, right. they'll feel more comfortable. So I invited one of the girls who were, who just started working here to come work out with us the other day. Mm -hmm. And as I invited her, I'm like, Hey, come work out with us. And I point at the group and it's like eight guys. And she looks at me like, that's a little intimidating. I'm like, Oh. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, it's just, yeah. So, uh, but in the kids class, especially kids jujitsu class, it is, there's a lot of young women. It looked 50-50. Yeah, I'm... at least. Yeah, yeah. And the young, the young girls kick some ass. Do I have to they sacrifice my ears? Like, will my ears end up looking like Jimmy Letchford's ears? No, no, no. no. That's a choice. <laughs> that is. That's a choice to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you can you wear headgear. Head they okay. have headgear. They've had it for all of Jimmy's life, and Jimmy <laughs> chose not to wear. It. Do so, you have those ears? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I got them a little bit, but um, fortunately, is that, is that because you didn't wear headgear? Yeah. Yeah, I made check, the choice too. Check, check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could put it on. And what is that? What's going on? Why does the ear end up like that? So, and can you do CrossFit and it'll go away? No, CrossFit doesn't <laughs> fix your ear. No, no. Fortunately, I'm pretty it sure fix it fixes everything. It fixes okay. everything else. Yeah, that's the wrong yeah. answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, so CrossFit does fix cauliflower ear actually. Okay. Actually, Tyson used to have it. It's yeah, and now it's completely yeah. gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> and that mustache came yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> Lost the cauliflower yeah. ear. Yeah. Mustache. Well, I'm I'm told that cauliflower ear is because there's no fat in your ear, so the skin is stuck to the cartilage. And it separates easily, you know, when it gets damaged, it separates and then fills full of fluid. And then that fluid then dries up and hardens and you're stuck with a big, ugly thing on the side of your head. That lets every other dude know who sees you from 30 feet away that yeah. you fight. Yeah, they're good for like surfing and in the water. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Or out at the bar, you know what I mean? Good set of cauliflower ears. It's all You're good. good. Yeah. You get the set wave. You know, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, do you got a problem? No, no, <laughs> nope. No problem here. No. Nope. Do you surf regularly? <laughs> Not anymore. But yeah, I grew up that way. Um, and why don't you? Time? Yeah, and just... Interest? Yeah. yeah. Water's cold. 
<laughs> it's cold. I'm lazy. When is a lot it, of jujitsu. When is an athlete um <clears throat> when is an athlete crested past his prime? Like in CrossFit we're seeing like every year that number's coming down. Yeah. Coming down. You know, before you could be in the games at thirty five, then it was thirty four and you know, we saw Josh Bridges, we're seeing Dan Bailey. Um when is an athlete I'm, and I'm guessing it's even sooner in MMA because um, there's dudes actually trying to stop you from doing your shit, from accomplishing your goal. Well, I mean, MMA, maybe not. I mean, like Daniel Cormier, I think is 38 years old. So, and Yoel Romero, I think is 39. Yeah, or 40 maybe. Yeah, 40. Um, I know for myself, like I felt like I could do anything all the way up until I turned 40. Uh, turned 40, I broke my ankle. So, consequently, two things happened at the same time. Broke my ankle, had a couple surgeries. Um, <clears throat> then I tore my knee up the next year and then had two surgeries on it and then just recently had another surgery on my right knee and which got infected so as far as i'm concerned 40 sucks right yeah turning you, 40 you know really now, now, now i'm sort of <laughs> rethinking what you're saying in, in crossfit the problem at the games level is recovery so mm -hmm. to have these guys work out the first day the older guys are doing great so maybe you're right maybe if, if you're if you're an amazing technician amazing mma fighter at a young age you reach that peak level then you're still good for one or two or three rounds yeah and i think you know, an older fighter, if he's fighting twice a year, you know, and he's smart about his training, he's not beating himself up in the gym all the time, why not? Are you why can't he go for a long time? Are you surprised at Bisbing's uh, metabolic capacity? I don't know. I mean, I mean, as far as like his ability to go, go, go. Go five rounds. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it was Jacare who like knocked him out and celebrated too early, right? Like two or three fights ago? Or no, it was Anderson Silva. Yeah. Knocked him out, yeah. celebrated, and then the round ended and he came back and won the came fight. Came back and recovered and yeah. You know what? I actually didn't see that fight. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. But that engine on him was Yeah. Like you don't expect that from an older guy. How older? How old is he? He's thirty five, maybe? Something like I that. I want to say he's older. His he face looks nothing like it did when he started fighting. Yeah. Like you couldn't even recognize him ten years ago. Hmm. His eyes shots. aren't even doing the same thing in his head anymore. Oh really? I mean, when I see him. Yeah. So is that where you put the older threshold at, 35? I mean, oh shit, what do I know? I'm Like I said, for me, I mean, we, in jiu-jitsu, we start calling people old at 30 years old, which I think is ridiculous. These guys are still perfectly relevant. You know what I mean? They can compete with the adult division. Um, I think in the matter of being third, of, I don't know about true, like just, just measure of athlete, but people get jobs, people get kids, people get stuff like that. I think that's what, that's, that what's, that's what makes people older. Do you have kids? As far as, no, I don't. Are you gonna have kids? I don't know, get lucky, maybe. Yeah, we'll You're see. not snipped or nothing? No, 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 I didn't fix that. It could always happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fixing it, by the way. That's no. breaking it. That's breaking yeah. it, yeah, you're breaking your toy. Yeah, someone said to me, I heard, my, I heard my sister told me the other day that I would never ask my husband to fix himself. And I thought that, like, I love my sister more than anything now. That's such a mature thing for a woman to say. I don't think that you should be asking your guy to get. No. Why not? I, 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 I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm only speculating, but I'm assuming that by taking the swimmers out, you're sort of changing the viscosity of the, of the baby batter. And that would then affect the feeling, the sensation, the, you know what I mean? It's like, it would be like, I'm sure all the NBA courses are, um, have the same veneer on them. And then all of a sudden one of the Madison square garden, they change the veneer and make it like 
more slippery. Well, what if it? That was, wouldn't be fun. What if it was like both partners in the marriage agreed, like we we need to do something. We've had you know X amount of kids. We're done. I'm okay getting snipped. I'm you're okay getting. I think you're too who, tight, right? Who wears the pants in that relationship? I mean, I think would, it, I think it's a case by case basis, right? Would you would you would you get snipped, Garth? I would do my best not to. Yeah. <laughs> You're how many years into wrestling? I don't I don't know what the word is. Mixed martial arts, mm -hmm. um, fighting, for lack of a better word. Before you came across CrossFit, how many years had you been messing with other dudes on the mat? Uh, so I wrestled in high school and college. <clears throat> I went to West Valley College, went to Santa Cruz High School, West Valley College. Were you good right away? No, no, I was pretty good um, for the. I did a limited amount of time in high school, so I was I was pretty good for how little exposure I had. Then I went to college and it was tough. I mean, cause you know, in college you're wrestling against people that have been wrestling their whole lives. Um, so I had to do a lot of catching up. Towards the end I'd caught up. Um, and uh, Why did they let you catch up? Why didn't they just kick you off the team? Like, hey, you're not good enough. Or were you just I flirt? Just, I, I was good enough to get a spot, you know, and uh, or at least compete for a roster spot. If I didn't get it, I was at least competitive for it. Mm -hmm. And then my final year there, I earned my roster spot and competed. You know, I wasn't able to place in the state or anything like that, but I carried myself pretty well. Pretty well. But uh, <clears throat> so that then 1994 was when I started jujitsu, and 1998 was when I started CrossFit. So. Like 14 years. Yeah. About. Well, no. So 1998. So yes, I CrossFit 20 years ago. No. no. Uh, 14 years from, <clears throat> you were you were basically doing some sort of fighting or grappling for 14 years before you came across CrossFit. I'd been, let's say like eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was adding four school. for high school, four for college. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like, do all, all four years of high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So eight, eight years. Yeah. Will Luke be champion again? I believe so. It's a tough division. It is a lethal division. I don't. The, if Luke was one hundred percent dedicated mean, to his fighting, I uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but he's got so many things. It seems like right now there's so many things coming at him. Other opportunities that are more lucrative than getting punched in the face. Right. Um, I think that like someone would be, told that us, would be what held him back. That's what I would think. Someone told us today that Conor McGregor was going to WWE. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Not Good. getting punched in the face and make more money. Mm -hmm. um, Chris Weidman, Weidman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy that he's had like, he had back-to-back -back losses, someone of his caliber in the UFC. Were you surprised? Not not against the people that he fought. Like Yoel? Yeah, like Yoel and, and uh, Musashi, Gegard. Um, they're great fighters. Yeah. You know, and the Musashi fight with the touch in the knee or did he not touch the knee was weird, you know. Oh, right, right. <clears throat> that, was, that was strange. But yeah, I mean, that division, if it's not your day, you're going down. It's just incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible division. Yeah. It's fun to watch. All right. Thank you, Garth. Yeah. yeah thank you, Garth. Cool. Wait, what did, was it chill? Yeah, it was easy. I'm much better than my last podcast. I had a great time. Yeah. The entry level for a martial art, for a CrossFitter to enter a martial arts, it should, I mean, like I said, the, the basis of athleticism, martial arts, I think is the fundamentals of weightlifting. So if you have mm -hmm. those skills, then you're going to be able to access the, you know, martial arts. You're going to be able to learn the techniques at a higher rate. And obviously if you're fit and you're strong, you have 
a certain amount of attributes, flexibility, fitness, strength, uh, you know, cardiovascular endurance. So you're going to have work capacity. You sound like a CrossFitter. I, <laughs> 20 years, man. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's 98. Funny. I'm on the 98 shit. Yeah. If, um, 20 years. That's the longest I've, I've heard. Yeah. You, you know, we, you would never see someone wearing a CrossFit shirt. Who's not a CrossFitter. It would just be weird. And same with like, you never see anyone wearing UFC shirts. I mean, I don't even know how Reebok makes any money. I don't, that, I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing. What is Reebok doing with that? I'm not one, sure. One, one. But um, I would never wear a UFC shirt because I don't fight. Yeah. But I mean, I would wear some UFC shit if it didn't like make it so I was claiming I was a fighter. Yeah. Or if, or if say the clothes looked good. That too. That'd yeah. Be good. Like if they didn't look like shit. <laughs> yeah. If like, if like Reebok actually made clothes that looked good. I, can I say that on a CrossFit thing? No. Yeah. No. Well, at least their UFC, <laughs> at least their UFC stuff sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> it would be the same thing. So like. I can't wear that shirt that you're wearing, even though I want to. But let's say my yeah, you can because you know me. It's my let's, school. Let's say my son starts going to the school. Then can mm -hmm. I rock the uh, absolutely bitchin? Yeah, absolutely bitchin, and it I'll probably bring... won't get me what um, cauliflower ear. Does, it won't get it will, you cauliflower ear, but it will get me some shit. Get you some street cred. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll have some street cred. Bitchin. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. All right. You the man, Garth. All right. Thank you guys. Hey, thanks. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Nice job. Yeah, I do all right. All right, that was great. Halfway through, I was like, "When's it coming back?" Anytime you want me. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Good. I enjoyed it. Good.